This is episode number 153, Acknowledging Racism, Injustice, and Inequality, with Nancy John. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Outs Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your false potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make two brief announcements, first one being regarding our upcoming call called Courageous Conversation. This is a weekly discussion that takes place through Zoom and is hosted every single Saturday at 9 a.m. Central Time, where we come together as a community and discuss a topic that matters most in our lives. If you would like to know more details about how to join any of these upcoming calls, go ahead and send us a message through our website at overcomingodds.today to which we'll respond with all the details about how you can become a part of this community. The second announcement that I would like to make is invite all of our listeners to our upcoming event called Survive to Thrive, Your Past Does Not Determine Your Future. This is an event that will be hosted on July 26th from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., where we'll come together as a community and have an open discussion about ways to face our fears, reinforce our potential, and break our bias. If you would like to know more details about this upcoming experience, go ahead and visit our website at overcomingodds.today forward slash survive to thrive. Now, let's get back to the show. Nancy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Oleg. I'm, I'm happy to be back here again. Thanks for having me again. I know. It's, it's one of the things where I'm kind of learning throughout this experience of podcasting is if, if you have great conversations, then for me, it was I had this, I, I guess, expectation, right? And that's every single person can only appear like once or twice. But then in reality, it's like, why even set that Who limit, said that? Yeah. right? <laughs> Who said that this person can only come on to the show at this time, at this phase? Um, so I just started to expand that and say, if the person shows up two or three times, then that's perfectly fine. Um, mm. And you and I had many conversations prior to this. And one of the conversations that I wanted to have with you today is um, kind of in regard to everything that's happening right now, not only in the U.S., but globally. Mm-hmm. And that's um, the different areas that we're tackling as far as race, inequality, injustice. Um, and one of the things that you and I talked about last time when it wasn't recording, although maybe it should have been. Um, <laughs> <laughs> was, Those are the best conversations, it, right? The right? ones that are not being recorded. <laughs> um, <laughs> The, the thing and the topic that you brought up was uh, taking it personally. And I thought that was a very interesting take in regard to everything that's happening. And that's really developing kind of your own sense of accountability, what action means to you, instead of going maybe under an umbrella of what, okay, this is the only way to take action. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, know how to do that then you can sit here and just not take action which in my opinion that's not the route to go because you know some of the things you don't in my in my opinion again you don't have experience 
in, in getting to those through those doors. So I'm kind of curious to know from your perspective, what does taking it personally mean in regard to everything that's happening right now? Um, so for me, I think even if I backtrack a little bit, the idea of taking it personally came up in a conversation that I was, it wasn't a conversation I was having. I was listening into a podcast. So mm -hmm. even, um, even I, so when I say this conversation needs to be had everywhere, I mean it everywhere. I, I think sometimes we try and pocket it into certain areas, like it's in the political arena or it's only at work or it's only here. And that's not true because, um, it's actually a human conversation that we need to be having and we've just bucketed into, into different segments. And so um, even at our church, this has been the idea of, we've kind of looked at it from the perspective of like, from a faith perspective, what does justice look like? So the, the topic was around Jesus and justice. And, and it's a good conversation. The reason I bring it up is because it's an important conversation within that arena as well. Like when you're thinking about faith, like it's not a separate to that. It is part of that. And so in that, in one of those conversations, um, a, a, one of the ladies who was on the panel, she had said, um, I think it's important for all of us to not look at this as it's so sad to see what's happening in their community, mm -hmm. what's happening to them. And, and, and she said, I think we need to start saying, talking about this from a more personal level as in like, take it personally. Cause when you take something personally, you're much more inclined to want to do something about it. And so that's where, that's actually what sparked that for me was her sharing that. And sometimes we need someone to actually verbalize it for it to almost come to the surface. So I, I'm not saying that nobody's taking it personally. That's, that's not what I'm getting at. I just feel sometimes you need someone to say it. And then you're like, yeah, like I think that's an important thing for me to have actually heard verbally. And now how can I be more aware of sharing that with other people? So for me, taking it personally, um, one of the steps did require me to understand a little bit better as well. Um, so sometimes what happens is I'm, I'm my background is South Asian. And so I am a, what you would call, you know, person of color. And so you could easily tell that if you were to see me coming, coming from anywhere. Um, so yes, I, from a South Asian perspective, I can speak to racism, like having faced it, um, having, whether it was overt or whether it was under kind of like, you know, a covert way of getting there, I faced it. So anybody who is of another, like who is non-white can, can speak to that, uh, that piece of racism. Um, so sometimes what happens is we just bucket it all under one, uh, one experience of racism. Mm. And I think that's a miss to do that. Um, and I think that's why for me in the, in the place that we're in right now, and when we talk about black lives matter, why it's important to actually call that out. Um, because the experience for the black community has been that the racism that they has been just at a different level. And I think it's important for us to actually say that, call that out. And, and I'm saying that as a South Asian person, like I'm just saying like, I need to be aware of that and not just lump it all until we all have the same. It's not, we haven't, we have faced racism, but we have not all had the same experience around it. Um, and there's certain things that are, that are actually systemic and kind of just have been built into the systems uh, that a black individual faces more so than other people of color. And I see this again, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm 
when I say this, I want to make sure I'm not downplaying. I'm not trying to say, well, one, but we've had it worse or you've had it worse. I'm not trying to get into that conversation. I just feel like the place that we're in right now, this is a conversation that has long been needing to be had, something to be done about it. And it's just keeps coming historically, it just keeps popping up every mm-hmm. so often. And so, and so I think that's why it was important. So for me, understanding was important to say, okay, what exactly, what are the things that even I have been a little bit unconscious, like I just haven't seen, like, or I haven't paid attention to. So uh, the learning has been important for me, uh, having conversations with people to understand experiences has been important. So that's been one part of it. Um, and the other aspect is around learning how to be um, not just not racist, but how do you actually be anti-racist? So actually someone who stands opposing to it. And I think that's also sometimes a challenge that a lot of folks are having is this idea of, well, I'm not racist. And, and I think where we're at right now is it's not enough just to say that I'm not racist. It's the idea of how do you, how do you stand counter to that? So you are anti-racist. What does that mm-hmm. look like? And I think that's the place also of action. Um, and so for me, um, that has meant, for example, uh, in, if there's initiatives that I'm a part of, uh, to be actively somebody who voices the need for this to, this to be a conversation, even if, even if it might seem like, you know, oh, you know, the news reel is running out, like as the news cycle isn't covering this anymore, mm-hmm. um, which can happen. Like that's the reality of life, Like that's what happens. So for me, it's like, how do I make sure that it is still a pertinent conversation? Um, and that to me is part of taking action. It's like that this is, does, doesn't just get forgotten. So that's one mm-hmm. of the things. So there are um, just some things that I'm involved in right now where that has come up for me as an opportunity to say, how do I actively make this part of the campaign? part of the conversation. Um, so that's one, one aspect for me. The other aspect is even with my work, as I think about a lot of the work that I do around leadership development. The, um, so with my company, Seed Leadership, our focus is around building future leaders. And that has always been the case. And when, it's, when we kicked that off, it was, never, it was never segmented to any group in that way. But I feel that there's a great opportunity for me. Like I'm like, what better way to build future leaders? How do you set up success for those who normally might not have access to this, how would I actually make that happen? And so that's some of the work that I'm doing right now to say, what could that look like for me to actively do some work around that? And um, what I don't have a perfect plan for it, but I have a couple of ideas. And I'm just thinking, I'll just start with a couple of ideas. And as I run them, I might get better clarity around what this looks like more on a long-term basis and how to make it something that lasts so that it's not, I'm really trying for it not to be project-based for lack of a better Mm -hmm. word. Like it's like, you know, I ran an initiative that I'm looking for it to be, how does it get integrated? And that's what I'm doing. And so I actually, um, and so even with my husband and myself, we've had some conversations and we said, you know, we talked about, what would this look like for us to actively having conversations around this? Like, so that it is, something that is not forgotten um but it's also not something that's just a um i don't know how to i don't know how to best express it but like something that's just like you know becomes just a topical thing right you know it's just Mm -hmm. a topical thing that that we pull up um and so we were chatting about that and he brought up the same thing he goes you know the challenge is going to be let's say a year from now a year from now the newsreels have moved on, something else is up on the screen or whatever, right, happens. 
And so he goes, you know, that's what's going to be the challenge. That's going to be the piece where we'll have to see what does that look like? Because we're talking about what conversations look like with our friends and like all of these things. And he and I just sat, we just were silent for a bit. And we said, I think, I think what it's going to be is that we will have to make sure that is a con like throughout this year. So we're looking at three, 365 days. What we can't do is a year from now be like, Hey, by the way, do you remember when rather be like day to day, it is like an ongoing thing that's coming up and questions around it to say, well, what does that look like for you? And how does that work? And, you know, things like that. And I feel we can do that. And I think that's how, for me, right now, that's what action looks like. I anticipate maybe, you know, a week, two weeks, you know, two months from now, that might revise again. But what I've realized is how do I make sure that I'm actively engaging and actively actioning on it? Um, and and, and as, as my understanding is evolving, as I'm getting better understanding of needs, that I'm, that I can pivot along the way. But making, I think that's how keeping it personal is to be like, how do you, if, if I was the person who was dealing with this head on, as in like, I, as a black female had to deal with this every single day, how would I take it personally? And I think it's about getting into that place. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, uh, it is really about, you know, how do I do that from a place of, you know, wanting to, it's about promoting justice um, from a place of love. Like that for me is really important. Like, you know, that, that idea of justice and peace go hand in hand, but you can't have, like, you can't get to the peace if you can't address the justice pieces. Like Mm -hmm. it's just, it's hard to do. So from that's my way of operating is to say like, how do I do this from a place of love and and really have those kinds of conversations? Um, And then I can keep it active. And then Mm -hmm. as I talk, I'm just like, okay, this is what I see action looking like as well. So I've kind of have a few different ways that I'm seeing myself actioning it day to day. Mm -hmm. I think there are a couple of things that you mentioned that stood out to me. First is done is better than perfect. Yes. (laughs) Um, Second is in regard to resources, and this is something that I've actually realized recently in regard to the resources, especially when it comes to educating yourself about the different challenges that the black community experiences, the resources are beyond what's within the black community. In my opinion, there's a book that I started reading. I don't know if I've shared this with you or not called thinking fast and slow. Mm, it's yes. fascinating. It's fascinating yeah. book because it challenges your bias. I, I just finished chapter one and I'm just sitting here like mind blown, just how basic it was described to me. And, and for me, the other reason why I think it spoke so highly is that it broke down the information in so many different ways of learning tables, mm. written word, and I was able to see the, the biases I was making. Right. Two plus two equals four. I am immediately associate a meaning that two plus two does equal four. Right. What if it equals something else? Mm-hmm. Or you look at the color or you look at spiders, even reading the word spiders alone. I develop biases and mm-hmm. different meanings. All of a sudden fear kicks in when in reality, I've never seen a spider kill anyone, including a person, maybe besides a movie, which, you know, in that case, it was the spider was 10 times yes. the size of a person, which I haven't seen yet in real life. Yeah. But it, it's just interesting to understand that it, I think in this case, in my opinion, the resources are available and they don't only have to be within the black community. 
there are other ways to educate yourself about the different biases that you make, the judgments, the prejudice that I, I make over the course of the day. The other thing that you mentioned was as far as taking it personally, and that's choosing to educate yourself, something that you actually recommended, uh, 13, 13th 13. on Netflix. Yes. Incredible. I mean, I, I watched, there were so many takeaways I got from it, not only in regard to the prison system and how that's been systematically structured to benefit certain companies in certain pillars of this country and ultimately the world, but also how there appears to be a focus on specific groups to populate those facilities with. And you quite, you look at that and then you just have quite, you just walk away with questions. Mm -hmm. Why does it exist that way? Or, and then beyond that, I started to look at movies. I mean, let, let's, let's face it. Let's look at a traditional role of a criminal. Mm-hmm. What community does that represent? Mm-hmm. Let's look at the role of a police officer in movies. What community does that represent? Yeah. So I think when it comes to systematic, it's not always one thing that, we can pin, that I can pinpoint and say, let's change this and then we're good. It's all of the other things that have been trickled down into all these other areas. This goes so much more than the workplace. Absolutely. This goes so much more than the movies. I mean, you yes. look at athletics. Look at the owners of NFL teams. Right. I think the number is like 29 or 30 owners yeah. are white. Yeah. So it happens in so many different areas. And for me, taking it personally means increasing my self-awareness. Right. But also knowing that in regard to the resources that I don't only have to speak to the black community to understand the things that they're going through. Yeah. I can pick up a book that's written by whoever else to understand that, Hey, there are other ways for me to challenge my bias. And so I, I think you bring up a really good point as far as choosing to take action and not waiting for that perfect moment, but rather just doing it. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting that the piece that you talk about bias, right? I think, I feel like to, um, you have to be at a, at another level to be able to recognize it. So I feel that you may be in a place where you are, um, kind of able to pick up like what's happened right now is things have changed around all of us. Right. Mm -hmm. And you have made a choice to pick up. What does this mean? And what am I seeing bias wise? I think, I don't think everyone will land there <laughs> when they read that book. Like I'm just, I'm truth be told. Um, it's because, and, and part of it's because it's this idea of the first reaction that I feel when it comes to racism, especially, right? Like um, that I feel that most folks in the white community have is like, well, I'm not racist. That's, and, 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 and I'm not saying that they are, I'm just saying that that's the first reaction. So, well, I haven't done anything, which may be true, but what that sometimes does, it's kind of keeps you, keeps the bias lens on. Like you don't, you, you can't get past yes. this piece of, well, I didn't do anything to be like, well, that actually's not, that, that's not what we're getting at here. You need to look a little bit deeper. And I, and I feel that 
not everyone who will read that book or like will pick up on it the way you have. <laughs> so I think there's a, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, that's my opinion. It's I'm not truth. saying, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I'm just thinking that there's an, there's a piece of understanding our own bias to say that what's my lens. And I think that's a question actually for all of us to ask, like, what is the lens through which I'm seeing this? And that's actually been a lot of my ahas uh, for my, again, I'm someone, I'm a person of color and I can be like, What's my bias, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that, but when it comes to understanding someone's experience, I think that you can't really understand until you actually go to the experience, right? Mm-hmm. And so w- lately there's been a lot of conversations that I've been um, just kind of, either I'm, I'm part of it or just listening in, um, that's been two words around proximity and people. And whenever, like, so when we talk about taking something personally, um, you can't, like, let's say you're completely uninvolved in it. Like, as in, like, I physically was not attacked, right? Mm-hmm. So unless I have been attacked in the past or know someone who's been attacked, it becomes like, well, how do I take that personally? But how, the only way I can do that, the reason if I have been attacked or I know someone who's been attacked close to me, that creates proximity with people. And now I can take it personally. And so what happens is when you are removed from the experience, it does become hard to be like, how can I take this personally? How do I do that? And it's with good intentions. It's not like, it's not that everyone's like, I don't want to take it. It's like, how do I do that? And that requires this proximity to the experience, which means engaging, Mm -hmm. engaging in conversation, engaging in understanding. And some of that is like through resources. Some of that is directly through conversations with people. Um, but if, um, I think sometimes a challenge also with this idea of taking it personally means that, uh, it it requires an investment of time. We usually want things to be like, what are a couple things that I can do Mm -hmm. that I know that I've done and I'm like, I'm good to go. And if we, if that's all that happens during this time that I feel like it is a huge missed, it's a missed, uh, opportunity for change. And I think we have to realize that, you know, even, even as I think about it, like sometimes I am very much the type of person to be like, how can I get to things quickly? But it's made me take a step back and go, but this is not a quick anything. Uh, it requires an investment. And what would that investment look like? And so when we think about building relationships, creating that proximity, do it relationally as you would any relationship rather than I had my two, three conversations. I got it. I'm good. And because that's, that's not, you can't take it personally that way. Mm-hmm. Then you've just become like a, almost like a voyeur. You've looked in, you've dipped your feet in and you, and you dipped out. So I would say, you know, that's why for me, um, even like in one of our, when in your um, courageous conversations chat Mm -hmm. that we had a few weeks back, I kind of was like, if this, the, the, you know, yes, like it's, it's okay to feel bad. It's okay to feel confused. Like all of those things are okay. Um, My challenge really has been around, like, don't let that stop you. Like, don't let the, the feeling of that stop you from taking that next step of like really figuring out because those feelings are there for a reason mm-hmm. like investigate it and be like what do i do about it because i think that's where we start to think like how do i take this personally um and you can work it doesn't ha- i think sometimes people are like what's the grandest thing i can do well you may not be in a place to get there yet but how do you move forward so even for you like as you say i'm recognizing biases of mm-hmm. what are my biases now knowing the person that you are you're going to start being like what action do i need to take now that i know about my bias it's like that's just that's i think that should be your natural evolution to be like okay what's next what's next not just that i've now done this 
now I'm done. Like, and I, I would say, let's even, you know, for a lot of folks who listen in, they might be business owners. And so how do you look at your business? You, you definitely, if you're someone who wants your business to thrive, you recognize that I don't just stop here. I continue to move forward. And I think, why can't we take that same approach when we're talking about this? I just feel like it's just been one of those sensitive pieces that nobody wants to talk about because it's got such an ugly history. Yes. There's such an ugly history involved. No one wants to talk about it. I'm like, but how do we, you can't do that. Like just sweep it. The more you sweep it under the rug, it just gets dustier at some yes. point, you know, just like it's, it's going to come out. And so I would rather us, you know, um, like even as I mentioned in our church, one of the conversations we've had this idea of a junk drawer and this idea that this junk drawer gets every so often in history, this junk drawer gets opened up. And the idea is at what point do you decide that I need to declutter this? Like I need to do something with this junk drawer. It would be such a waste if we decide to move a couple things and we close that drawer back up. I think that would be a big miss on our part. And I think that's where um, the idea of like taking it personally comes in. It's like, what does that look like? Right. And I, I definitely, I'm not saying I have the answers for all that. I'm just sharing my experience of what I am incrementally deciding to do with this. Mm -hmm. um, and I recognize that what that looks like, again, I would, I would hope and pray that in a year, two years, like it looks different. I, I want it to look matured like I wanted to that when we talk about proximity people and and action I want it to be different than where I am now mm -hmm. otherwise nothing would have shifted really if it stayed exactly where I am at this place mm -hmm. well I think one one thing that you mentioned that I wanted to point out is the importance of language so I, I know as a natural feeling and just kind of where I'm at in life with my own level of self-awareness and it doesn't mean that I'm any better or worse than anyone else I just am who I am is I sometimes struggle and that's I experience kind of frustration in a way when the conversation about race or injustice or inequality gets framed with the following words. This may be difficult. This may be tough. This may be hard or some of these other words included. Yeah. And for me, and I just noticed myself and it's, it's okay to be frustrated, but I experienced that because prior to having a conversation, the individual would frame it in that way. And I look at it and say, why does it have to be difficult? What component of it has to be tough or hard for us to have a conversation about? And that's, I think, in my opinion, one of the challenges of having a conversation like that is if, if it's framed from the point of, hey, it's going to be tough. No matter what you do during the course of the conversation, there's that word in the back of your mind that keeps saying, tough, don't go there. Right. Don't ask that question. That's right, a tough right, one. Right. So there's right. a set of assumptions that get developed. And I think my experience has been in regard to bias, assumption, and expectations. I haven't found a way to truly eliminate those. I actually don't mm -hmm. think you can. I think what you can do is you can find ways to cope with it. You can find different strategies that actually help you use those things as tools to guide certain conversations. But it's not about, hey, I'm going to work and eliminate my assumptions and I'm done. That I don't mm -hmm. think that's a thing. I don't right. think that space exists. And so when it comes to conversations, I think it's important to understand how we choose to frame them so if I start this conversation by saying, hey, Nancy, you and I are going to have an extremely tough dialogue. How are you going to feel? And then yeah. in the things that you mentioned as far as feeling the guilt and the shame and whatever else, but still choosing to move past it, 
Well, in reality, the framing to that conversation with the words tough, hard, and difficult, it's like you're already creating, creating unnecessary shame and guilt. Right. And so I, I actually will have a difficult time stepping mm. into that because whatever question I might be thinking, there's that word prior to it, tough. Or am I going to be, am I going right. to be racist? Right. When in reality, right. it's just an open discussion. So that's one thing that I've kind of learned throughout my experience of talking about race and everything that's happening is the importance of the framework. How do you how would, I'm curious, how would you frame it? Like if you were to be, sorry, if you were to be having the conversation or like leading up the conversation, how would you frame it or how would you want it framed? I wouldn't, I, I would not, what I'm choosing to do is not say difficult, hard or anything that may evoke those things. So okay. I, I do a personal assessment as far as what words are going to trigger the shame, the embarrassment, the guilt, the not stepping into a question because I may feel like I'm racist or prejudiced or whatever else. So I don't, I, tr I try as often as I can not to use those words. Mm -hmm. I just go into it. I'll tell the person, Hey, I just want to have a conversation. That's right. it. And then from there, I think that allows me to go into those areas that are unknown. Right. Um, the other thing that I'm learning and trying to do as often as I can, and I'm not perfect at it. I don't think I ever, <laughs> ever will be, but, but it, it's better than the day before. And that's when it comes to just many different things in life. And that's actively choosing to speak from my, my experience. Mm -hmm. Cause in reality, I can't speak for the entire human race. Right. of what we should and shouldn't do because everyone's journey is different. And that's another thing that I've learned throughout kind of this experience is that one of the dialogues I've encountered is, Oh, it's all white people are racist. And I just mm -hmm. look at like, I don't think I am, <laughs> but I could see how mm -hmm. that could be a possible thing based on whoever's um, experience and encounter may be. But I, I think at the end of the day, what I wanted to point out through all this is that the importance of taking individual accountability to not only the action, but the language, the words that you choose to have a conversation around. And the other thing is that energy plays a big role, in my mm -hmm. opinion. Energy plays a big role in how you communicate a message. So if I come to you and I sound angry, the chances of you taking my information and actually forming that into some form of action on your end is going to be somewhat limited mm -hmm. versus if I come in calm, open perspective, I think then I open your myself as well as you to opportunities to expand upon. Right. So, but I, in a nutshell, I, I don't have the, here are the three steps you got to take to develop, <laughs> develop all of that. <laughs> I think that's an increased level of self-awareness that you work on every single day, just like you work on posture. It's a 24 yeah. seven job. Right. Right. I think that, I think the awareness piece is the, the critical part, right? And that brings me back to the piece that you said about bias. Uh, it's difficult to get to that. Like you can't recognize your bias. If you don't, if you're not in a place to be like there, is there a possibility that there's a bias? Like, 
Um, the more we think that every, you know, the, I think the, a couple things come up for me. So where we talked about the framing of a conversation, I actually had a, a we were having a conversation yesterday. We were doing this session um, uh, called women like us, just leading a conversation with a diverse group of uh, successful, like women in leadership as a way to, as like a mentorship opportunity for mm -hmm. other females who, who would be coming up the ranks. And so we got into the conversation of race um, as, as a main piece of that, uh, of that chat. And one thing that came up that uh, came up for those of us who are uh, like, who are non-white was we recognized, and this might be, this is a combination, but combination of something that uh, folks who are maybe not in the, uh, position of power or perceived position of power will do often is try and buffer, buffer something to acquiesce or make the other person on the other side, not feel like threatened by it. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder if sometimes some of the framing of conversations where it's like, Hey, this, this might be a little bit challenging is partly as a buffer so that mm. the other person doesn't, feel bad, like we don't want anybody to feel bad. And so we actually talked about that. And, and it was a theme among all of the women, especially the women of color, where we're like, yeah, we do that. <laughs> we try and buffer it so that the other person doesn't feel like we're trying to make it as like an easy dose of what's going to come. So you don't feel bad about it. Mm -hmm. And so it, it is, so part of it's also, and I guess it depends on who's framing it. I can't speak for every single person. But what I recognized was the trend that we all had was the sense of we don't want people, we don't want the person sitting across from us. And, <clears throat> and we took it from like a, um, an organization perspective because we were talking about work. And we said how for most people, their leaders have been uh, male and or white like it's either a combination of both like either they have all been white or they have all been male and white like that's for the most of us that's been our leadership experience so in my 15 plus years i have only had one non-white leader and that's going across three different industries and that non-white leader was a male so i've mm -hmm. never had a female leader of color in my entire experience and so we were saying sometimes what happens is you to make sure that that leader or whoever is in that position of power, you try and make things like you try and pad it a little bit. And so mm -hmm. sometimes some of the things like, Hey, look, like I know what I'm saying. It might be a little bit challenging or like, you know, hear me out. Like all those things end up being bu buffers so that person doesn't take it like as a, you know, you don't feel attacked by it. And there's something for that. So I appreciate you saying, bringing the other side of it where you say, well, you know, sometimes when you put it that way, it can automatically put somebody in the sense of like, what's the issue? I want to position the other side of the person sometimes saying it is like, is exactly to, uh, to be like, uh, I know that I don't know whether this is going to be perceived in the wrong way. And I don't want to create a reputation of being mm -hmm. X, Y, Z. And mm -hmm. so because of that, let me find a way to put a blanket over it. Like mm -hmm. I'll just buffer it in a way. And I think those are things that, and I feel like those are things that um, we won't know if we don't actually ask and have conversations. And like, it, that's how you uncover that these things exist. And that's actually the reality mm -hmm. for a lot of people. That's the reality is like, how do I buffer this so that my reputation get, doesn't get tarnished? Because if my reputation gets tarnished, these are the opportunities that will no longer be 
available mm-hmm. to me. So mm-hmm. how do I just grit my teeth and get past this? What's the best way I can get past this or address it without getting making it go out of hand? Um, and that I feel is a um, it's a it's a luxury that some people have that I don't think they wreck. Again, that's where the bias comes in, right? It's this idea. Well, I have the same opportunities you do, theoretically, yes, but realistically, no. Like, that's just the reality of it. And so, I, what happens is if one cannot pick up that those biases exist. Like, I mean, sometimes it's like those blinders. When the blinders go off, all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait a minute, I'm seeing all these things that I didn't see before. And mm-hmm. once you see those, then comes your choice of what do I do about it? And it becomes, and then when you are a person, like such as yourself, all of like you have a you're, a, you're a person of integrity, you have a conscience that you kind of have a, you know, your North Star that you work with. And if all of a sudden that is not, now that's not, it's going to trigger for you to be like, wait a minute, I'm seeing things that, it doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. What do I do about that? Right. But then there'll be others who, you know, the thing is it's easier to be ignorant of those. Cause if you don't know, you're not aware, you actually don't have any responsibility to do anything about it. True. It's once you know, and you're aware, then you're making a conscious choice of this or this. Right. And I feel like, um, those are the things that I feel, um, for those, for those who are traditionally in power and whether we like it or not, that has generally been white males. <laughs> it, that's just the reality. Like, I mean, I, it's, it's not, I'm not saying something that is not actual, actual. If you look around in any area, even you brought up like, you know, industries and stuff like that's the reality. The thing is when you, when you reside in power to that, it, it is so much more important to be able to do those checks. But the thing is when you reside in power, there's this sense, there can be a sense of like, oh shoot, what will I lose? Mm-hmm. If I now have to become aware of all of these things, what do I have to mm-hmm. give up? And, and, and this sense of that whole idea of scarcity kicks in. Mm-hmm. Like, that means I lose everything. And I feel that uh, that is the wrong framing of it. Um, but that's the challenge we're dealt with. Like that's a challenge we're in now is to say, well, how do you get like the, the power structures need to shift? So that you can have, you can have everyone, you know, who can, who can have the opportunity for whatever it is that we're looking, whether it's work-wise or, you know, or even just freedom, like just the the certain simple acts of freedom that are, that's what's being violated. Um, If those don't exist, that's problematic. But if you don't even recognize that they don't exist and you're in the thinking that they're all, everything is equal, that's problematic. I remember when I was in uh, grade, I think this was grade 10 or grade 11 mm-hmm. in my uh, science class. So this is going back several years, but it's actually indicative of like, what? So I, where I am in Canada, um, it's fairly, we're fairly multicultural and I'm talking quite diverse. And I remember in our science class, again, a pretty, pretty good mix of uh, different cultures sitting in that room. Our hit our science teacher, uh, she's she was a white woman and I don't even know where the because to- it was science class I don't even know where the topic started from something must have been on the news or something like that and she said well racism doesn't exist anymore like it just doesn't exist anymore so I mean this is re-. and I remember me and my friend were both you know women who are were both non-white but we looked at each other going like <laughs> and we were young at that time and and I just remember thinking like that's so strange that in your eyes 
no racism exists. Mm-hmm. And it, it just, I, I was reminded of it in the last, like recently, that actually is the issue. <laughs> like that is the, just the starting with, you have people who actually believe that it does not exist anymore. And so if that's the case, mm-hmm. right, how do you even decide, how do you even say that I actually, you know what, I actually have had a head start on this race for a very, very long time. And I'm expecting you to be up here with me when I've had a way head start over you. If you can't see that, that becomes really, how do you look, we're, we're almost starting conversations at different, at different points. Yeah. Right. Like it's, it's very tough to have those conversations. And I think that's where I really appreciated your guest who was on April. I forget Mm -hmm. her last name. It was April, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I appreciate the honesty with which she shared the feeling of exhaustion and frustration and tiredness that exists within, uh, especially within the black community of having to, you're like, I got to edge. It's like, I got to start educating again. And like, and it's this, and I get that. I understand the frustration that comes with that. Yet I also like, I appreciate what she said, but I also recognize in my tiredness that I got to kind of do some of this too. So I think it's easy to get upset at, you know, like if someone's like, I'm, I'm frustrated, I don't want to explain this, but I'm like, you know, you got to kind of understand if you've had to, you were like, you know, this is not new. The fact that I'm having to explain everything to you, like, like this is new, that becomes frustrating, especially if that's your lived experience day in and day out. And no, and it's like, you've never seen it. You don't see it. I've lived it every day. That, that I can understand the frustration around as well. So I think we're just in a very, we're in a time where we have, I just feel we have such a great opportunity for uncomfortable conversations. And I'm actually, honestly, um, really grateful for how many places have opened up for that conversation. How many people like similar to April who are like, you know, I'm really frustrated, but have been gracious in opening up mm-hmm. to conversations, even mm-hmm. through the frustration. Uh, I feel that, you know, I feel like it's a miss if we just get upset, like, Oh, well, you know, so-and-so is frustrated. I'm like, well, do you blame, <laughs> like, how, do you, hmm. how do you blame somebody for being frustrated? I, I, I don't blame them either, right? So I, I kind of, I get it. Um, I get the frustration around it. Um, I'm also very appreciative of the open spaces that have been created for conversation because I think in the end, those of us who have like a similar heart are looking for like, where do we go from here? Like, how do we get mm-hmm. past just being here, having done a lot of talking and then What's we close next? the door, right? Mm-hmm. The door is closed. And then what, how many years later we again, and I feel like that's the opportunity. And I think that's, mm-hmm. it'll be missed if we don't actually, that's why for me, I'm like, what's the action? Like, mm-hmm. where, do you, where do you take this? Like to your point, what's next with this individually, right? There's, there's individual, there's going to be a systematic, like there's going to mm-hmm. be like, it needs to be up here and down here. Like mm-hmm. it's going to be both of them. Not one or it, the other. Yeah. It has to be both of them. Um, and, and, and it has to be like, you know, folks who are in a place of power. And so when I say that, you know, I'm not saying that every white person is like superpower. That's not what I mean, but it's just, I think if you can understand that innately the way the system has been set up, there's just certain advantages. Like there's just certain advantages that you have that others don't. If, if we can't even recognize that, that's going to be problematic because we need all of us to make the change. You can't just have like Mm-hmm. a group of people wanting to do it like that that it doesn't work like that that's not how systems change like you need more than that 
to be able to do that. But I feel like it's an important one that I would not want us to miss miss on because it actually think about like future like there's there's I'm curious about 20 years from now the young gen like the uh three four five year olds like what will it look like for them 20 years from what will they remember even like let's say those who are 10 years so they'll be 30 years in 20 years what what will their thought have been of what happened here how will they be different for what has happened during this time I think those are things that whether you have kids or not like I think it's important to think about because that's Mm -hmm. really in the end what matters it's not just what we're doing for ourselves at this point is kind of like thinking forward as well. Well, I think the other challenge is, so right now, I think we're living in a beautiful time because we're giving a set of tools that we didn't have in the seventies, sixties and fifties in the, the, even the concept of social media or a conversation like this, think about it in 1954, this would not be a thing. Zoom, whatever version or concept of Zoom was not this. So having a conversation with someone literally halfway across the world was not even an imagination. The other thing that I think is kind of a, it maybe is a challenge, maybe not, is every single person has their own perspective and view of what the world looks like. So 50 people, we can all look at one thing and develop 50 different perspectives. First of all, that's crazy that we can actually do that. We can look at one object with no branding, nothing, pencil, and yet see 50 different things. And I think that the thing that's also interesting about that is, in my opinion, every one of those perspectives is right. Mm. There's no wrong. It's like, you see the world the way that you see the world. Right. And I, that's one of the challenges as well. And you kind of pointed that out as far as recognition, but then also understanding that however you saw the world before and however you see it now, yes, there might be changes that, or there always will be changes that you can make or areas to improve. But also kind of go, going back to the shame and guilt is that the way that you saw it, 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 was, all, it, it was just the way that you saw the world. Right. Um, so I just, I just think it's a, I was just having a conversation like this yesterday. World is so complex. It's yeah. such a complex place. And the other thing that I'm learning is that the more that I become aware and my self-awareness increases even more, the more complex it becomes. Mm. Because then I begin to notice all of these small intricacies within the world that I didn't see before. I mean, I look right. at a spider web now and I'm just blown away with 50 questions. How did, <laughs> how did it do that in these conditions? And, you know, you look at the size of the spider and it's like, okay, maybe it's not about the size. Maybe it's about the, the world of work or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it just, it's so interesting to look at life through this lens now because now I can... I have a lot more questions. I have a lot more questions than answers. Right. Um, and the, the thing that you mentioned as far as quick solutions, and I think that goes back to questioning. What my experience has been, there have been many times throughout my life where I just jumped to a quick solution just to get it over with. Like, man, I've had this problem long enough. I'm just going to find a quick solution and just yes. move past it, right? But with this... And that's my, that's my area of concern is that 
I, I don't want us to jump to a quick solution. Let's face it. There is no deadline on this. Yes, it's urgent, but solving it in a day, is that realistic? Like we also have to be somewhat realistic. We're not talking about a month worth of discrimination. We're not talking about a year. We're talking about hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, Just all of these topics. And that, and that's a thing that I'm seeing more and more of with a lot of different sports leagues and whatever else it's these quick actions. And it goes back to everything that you just said, as far as, okay, let's not, let's maybe not put certain blankets where they don't need to be, but like question deeper, what's actually the problem? You know, the question that I try and ask within this case is what am I not seeing? And then once I see that, what am I not seeing beyond that? And just go deeper and deeper and deeper to try and get as close as I can to the root of the problem. Because I don't think what I'm seeing right now is the root of the problem. I don't even know where to start in identifying that root of the problem. Because there's so many different areas to tap into. So... Yeah, I I don't know. I don't I don't think there is one form as far as solu- as far as a solution. I think the solution comes from within. Mm. It's that taking it personally, taking individual responsibility for whatever you may think the solution is and go after it. Right. Yeah, I mean, I guess one thing for me is like when you Actually, let me ask you. Mm-hmm. You you have now had obviously like just in the last little bit certain awareness, right? Like mm-hmm. things that you have like been like I did not know. Now I know. So I'm curious, based on what you are knowing now, what are you shifting? Mm-hmm. Or do you feel the need to shift? So for me, the first thing that comes is um, the level of awareness that I've developed around trying to understand the person's experience especially when it comes to fears. What are the fears that someone might be experiencing literally right before they walk out of the front door? Um, How am I showing up in conversations? Am I making certain judgments or assumptions? Am I counting people out of opportunities without even knowing it? Because the whole thing about unconscious bias is that there's a reason why it's called unconscious bias. And it's always going to be there. Mm -hmm. So as soon as I tap into that element of becoming more conscious, there's always going to be that unconscious component to it. There's going to be something else that comes with it. And so for me, it's, it's choosing to become more aware, choosing to have conversations where I can better understand, and then also understanding how I choose to pass on that information. So am I passing on the information with my own, self-limited beliefs, my own fears, or my passing out through a different lens. And that goes back to, I think, accountability as well. I mean, let's, in the case of COVID-19, I'm part of many groups, many friend groups and other types where oftentimes I'll see different articles that'll get posted in our group chats. And it would be something along the lines of the numbers are rising, kind of, you know, 
stay at home and don't do anything type of thing. And, and I look at those things and I say, and I ask the question, uh, either a question or a statement as far as um, where is that person coming from? And that's where I think it's important in that case to understand what are the fears that you're projecting onto other people? What are you projecting onto other people, period? Mm-hmm. And how is that coming across? And even the person that wrote that article, where are they at as far as their therapy? Did mm-hmm. they lose someone to COVID-19? Because that's going to influence how they choose the language. If they have no direct connection, same thing with race. If you have no direct connection, you're going to have a very different article that you put out there. Mm-hmm. Versus if you saw someone with your own eyes experience a problem. Right. So for me, this stage, it's awareness. It's learning about the experience, direct and indirect. And then the action part is understanding how I choose to pass on that information, how I choose to pass on the questions that I ask myself whenever I'm making judgments right. or might be biased. Right. And then that, I don't know what the phase is beyond that. Right. I do know that there is a phase that will come without a doubt, but it's, it's taking it where I'm at. And then just knowing that, okay, what I know now is not the ultimate thing. There's going to be more things to know, but it's better to know and to act upon what I know rather than just say, Hey, I know it all. I'm good. (laughs) Well, that's the reason I asked the question is to say, I feel that um, to stay just at awareness, I don't know that that's really awareness. Like awareness is Mm -hmm. like, I think for there to be like an actualization of awareness is like, what do I do? Put into practice with that, right? Like it's like a choice that comes up. So I think that's great that for you, you're kind of recognized that in this phase I'm here. Um, you know, and so to me, it sounds like you're like, how do I pass on that knowledge? Some of the sounds like, you know, what are the questions I need to be asking when I'm in certain groups? What are the biases that I would have had that maybe they don't have, but I just want to put it out there to engage in conversation. Um, you know, like, I think those are, when we look at like small movement, it's like you make changes in your circles, but those circles, like, and I like what you said, like those that your actions will evolve in phases mm-hmm. as they should, right? Like as they should, otherwise they're stunted. They're just kind of stayed somewhere. And, and when we talk about things around, you know, specifically right now, racial justice, like it, because we know that this is not a two point system of like, okay, we've done these two things. Now it's done. It's not, it's not like that. It's a ongoing, it's a changing of belief systems Um, you are in a very unique place to be able to influence and ask questions of other people's belief systems who may have shared the same belief system as you had the same view as you. But as your, as your view expands, like to kind of ask those questions within the circles of whatever, I think that's part of action. And then you, and then, and then collectively you guys, as you start greater awareness, what's next? What does the next thing look like? Mm -hmm. I think that's where it's important to say, like when we talk about when you said like the urgency of this matter, it's actually a very urgent matter Mm -hmm. that may not have a solution. in. I mean, wouldn't have a solution in one day. So yes, but Mm -hmm. it is a very urgent matter um, that has been just 
kind of festering for a very long time. But the, the, the challenge now is it's so built into the systems that exist. It's like how, now it's like, how do you unravel that? Um, so that's why I say this, it's a combination of what's happening at an individual level. Cause there's some belief systems that have to change here mm-hmm. where, you know, as individuals, we can, we can influence that. Like, you know, that's partly us making changes and actually stepping into those uncomfortable places where might be other people who won't share that opinion and kind of being like, let me, let me have a different conversation here. So that's part of it. And then there's, and then other actions as well, like within your work, like how you operate, right. You know, so you, I mean, you, your focus is like, you do a lot of work that brings highlights awareness around the foster care system. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I know, I really know very little about the foster care system. So your experience around it is far greater than a lot of other people. You have proximity mm-hmm. and that people piece that's happening right there. Uh, but within that system, what do these biases look like there? I have no idea. Right. Mm-hmm. But you're in this unique position to now be like, now that I know these things, what does that actually, I don't know what that looks like in that system. What, what does that, so you, you have a unique places where you can step in where your awareness gets you to take action that affects other people. Like it just kind of builds up from there. Mm-hmm. There's also systemic like things that are like up here, like uh, more system related items that that we all influence as well by, for example, how like your vote, your vote counts towards those yes. things. Um, you influence government in that way. Um, but then there's also people, I think one thing to understand, there's a lot of work that's already been done in identifying what are some of those core system issues. So I think there's certain things that we don't have to re-dig and re-figure out. We just have to be like, what are the key things? And, and then what can your vote what can your advocacy what are those things that you can do where you can actually start to make influence change there because there's certain things that are that can be shifted up there as well that we the people can do and i think it's a combination of those kind of your circle plus the bigger piece that we kind of go back and forth in to be able to make those changes Mm -hmm. um so yeah i think i think it's it's it requires us to continually be aware. I think the awareness to use to your point is the, is the big piece, but then act on that awareness accordingly. I had, um, uh, so the, the, I have an esthetician that I go to like to do eyebrows and all those kinds of things. And so when she and I met, obviously because of the whole COVID thing up until now, we hadn't seen each other. And so now Mm -hmm. that they are lifting some of the, um, uh, barriers to, you know, businesses and things like that, I went to see her, we were chatting and she's South Asian as well. And so we were chatting and I'm not sure how, but a conversation came up uh, about um, like race, that the whole conversation that's happening right now around Black Lives Matter. And she started to bring up, you know, even within within communities, there's racism. So within the South Asian community, there is racism. And so we chatted about that a little bit. And then... uh, she started to talk about an experience that she had within her family, someone like someone in her family who had um, married uh, a black guy and, you know, co- the conversations like that had started about that, like kind of, you know, not good ones, like just kind of demeaning things around that. And so it's interesting. I was listening and as I was listening, my first reaction was to be like, not, I mean, not necessarily get 
angry, but I was, I was upset. My first reaction was to more preach at her mm-hmm. and be like, well, you know, you do understand like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like these, these are the, like, do you, you see what's problematic about that? Like within our community, we do X, Y, Z things, which is not helpful. That's where my, my mind was going. And I kind of started that conversation going in that direction because I was upset with what I was hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just tailed it back for a second. And I just, for whatever reason in that moment said, okay, Nancy, what might be something you could, like what might be something that would engage a conversation rather than her, like her shutting down at this point. And I just asked her a different question. I kind of started my rant, but then I stopped mm-hmm. and I was just like, just backtracked a little bit. And I just said, Hey, I'm just curious. Like, why did you guys have that kind of reaction when whoever it was married, um, married uh, a black person? Um, and so then she said, well, you know, that's just how we were, it was just in the community, Like that's just how we were raised. Right. Like that was just something that how people was there in the community. And, Mm -hmm. and I was just like, you know, I was just like, yeah, you know what? You're right. I absolutely can see that. Like it is within, it is within the community, like this kind of like shunning of black people. Um, but again, when I, for me, it was like seeing it, seeing it in an older generation, I'm not saying it's okay, but I'm just like, I, it's like, oh, okay. I see that more there. But when you see it in kind of feeding into younger generations where I'm just like, that's where I'm just like, where do we, where does it, I'm always like, where does it stop? Like it's got to stop somewhere. It's yeah. somewhere this has to end. And so I, so then I said, oh, okay. So, so she said, yeah, you know what? It just kind of, but, but what I was realizing as she was talking was she was seeing that that is problematic. Yeah that conversation she had was a few years, like it was years back, but she up until now, and that was what was a little bit surprising for me was I was just like, your awareness is kicking in now. But then I was like, okay, Nancy, like instead of, instead of worrying about that, like just instead of getting upset with that part of it, I asked her the question and she talked and she talked a little bit about like where she grew up and she was, you know, which is what surprised her. She goes, we've grown up within like with the black community around us like having and it's not that they've lived a segregated life that that's not how they've lived they were very very integrated she goes but i don't really know when it came to actually marrying a black person Mm -hmm. it was considered like a bad thing and stuff so we talked about that and and so what i thought was really like a step forward was she Mm -hmm. said you know i actually want to have a conversation with my mom and i want to ask my mom to find out a little bit about where did this come from? Why do mm-hmm. we have that? Especially since we didn't grow up apart from a black community. Like they actually were quite, you know, living integrated within like uh, communities that were, that were black. And so that to me was like a really big thing. I said, wow, like I just, and I, it came, it was like a really aha for me. I said, I said, I think that's awesome. That's awesome that you have, I go, that'd be curious to hear what comes from that. She goes, yeah, I need to, I need to have that conversation. So for me now, the next time I see her, I can now engage in a conversation that goes a little bit deeper and say, mm-hmm. well, where did that come from? How did that, like, you know, what did your mom have to say? And, and let's say, and now, you know, if she says, well, I didn't have the conversation. So like, oh, why, why is that? Like, why didn't she, like, I can. So, cause I said, like, for me, part of my thing is to keep it active. I want it mm-hmm. to be an active thing that I'm having in conversations. That's natural. That's not like an, just like an added, like a, you know, here's a topic of discussion. But I said, so for me, that was important to engage in a conversation with somebody within my community around racism, because I can, I'm like, those are places of influence. Like those are places that you can actually do something about and start a different conversation with people. Um, And, and that was important for me to shift my approach with her. 
I'm not saying my approach is the right approach or someone there's a lot of different ways it could have been done. Uh, I just felt like that's what I needed to do was I said, how do I keep this a conversation that can stay open rather than her feeling like she cannot, that we can't have this conversation again, because I'd Mm -hmm. rather her have that conversation with her mom, uncover what the history behind it is, recognize what that means for her kids. Cause she was like, you know, she's like, yeah, like, am I, am I, kind of putting that into my kids now like that those are the kind of things that were coming up for her and I said right that's the change that that's where we want people to be different right and mm-hmm. to actually it's a belief system that has to shift mm-hmm. um but now when you see it you can't unsee it and I think that's the thing where I'm like you I'm, I want people to kind of eyes and start with your eyes and ears open because you can't unsee it you can't unhear it once you do it <laughs> then you have to decide yeah then you decide I don't want to do anything about it then frankly you can't say i'm not racist i'm sorry <laughs> like mm. it's it's hard to do that um or you say i'm gonna do something about it but i just don't know and i'm trying to figure that out i'm gonna take steps i think that's a different place to go mm-hmm. um but to you we have to create the awareness and i think uh some of it like for yourself you said you know i can start asking different questions i can engage in different conversations and you can start creating different awareness for people and mm-hmm even within the work that you do, you can start to create an awareness that people weren't thinking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think we all have an opportunity for action if we so choose to. Mm-hmm. Nancy, what's the best way that people can connect with you? Um, so yeah, Pete, you can find me um, most from a social media perspective, I'm most active on LinkedIn. So you can just look up Nancy John, exactly as it sounds, two names, <laughs> <laughs> uh, on LinkedIn, or you can, um, you know, check out my website. It's Seed Leadership. So my company's name is Seed Leadership. You can find us on www.seedleadershipdevelopment.com. Um, yeah, those are a couple of the best ways that you can, you can get in touch with me and find out a little bit about the work that I do. And so Uh, I'm always open to conversations and uh, thanks again, Oleg, for having me on today. Absolutely. Thank you for, for allowing me this version 2.0, (laughs) 3.0. There will be 4.0 coming up. I think it's about 4.0 at this point. (laughs) It's it's amazing the conversations that we have and we're able to dive into. And I think the other thing is how um, thought provoking they really are, at least for me. Mm -hmm. And that it just goes with, goes back to self-awareness, right? Topic of understanding who the person is, where they're at, as far as the particular chapter of their lives and what are they looking to discuss. And I think you, you do an exceptional job at communicating that information, but also creating a space where there are things that you don't know, but you know that through the asking of a question, you can find the unknown. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, feel free to subscribe to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring stories. Once again, we thank you for listening and we'll look forward to having you next week.